Are your decisions affecting your income? On today's episode of the podcast, we're breaking down some ways to help you stop self-sabotage. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, The Truth About Trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. Last week, I saw a post uh, from one of our drivers, and it just kind of made me curious. I I think he was kind of kidding, but he kind of wasn't at the same time. And the post said something about, uh, just paid 26 bucks for breakfast, going to need a raise. You know, and I think he was highlighting the idea that, oh my gosh, look, what is going on? You know, the breakfast now costs 26 bucks. Whatever happened to the days at Denny's when you could get the, the 599 gram Grand Slam breakfast? But uh, things are certainly changing. And while I think he was joking a little bit, I'm sure he was also thinking, my gosh, I'm going to need a raise in my pay so I can overcome what's happening in the economy right now. You know, we do the same thing in business, and it kind of takes me back to 2008 when the recession hit. Um, There was a time when, you know, we pulled everybody together and our boss at the time, and he says, hey, things are going to get pretty tight here. We really need to buckle down, tighten our belt a little bit, and let's have some conversations about what we can do to trim the fat, uh, where we can save some dollars. Last year when uh, we were getting ready to order a new batch of trucks again, uh, one of our vendors told us straight up that the prices were going to jump 15% year over year for the same truck, same spec. That's a lot in one year. And I thought to myself, there's no way I can take that 15% and have any hopes of going back uh, to our customers, to our shippers and say, hey, I'm going to give you a 15% raise. I need it because I have to cover the, the cost or the, of the increasing uh, equipment. They're just not going to go for a jump that big. So when those things happen in business, you've got to really think about what else can I do uh, to get through this? And that's kind of the point we're at here in 2023. The The economy's in a slump. Um, you know, there's big pushes from the brokers and even some of the shippers trying to push rates backwards. Uh, so what are we going to do as individuals and as company to kind of overcome that? I know that the the customers um, aren't going to, you know, give us that kind of 15% increase. So what are we going to do as a company? Well, it's time to tighten the belt, just like we said. And and one of the things when we went through this process uh, several years back and stuff, I, I distinctly remember the owner of the company asking for ideas, where can we cut some costs? Uh, and people were coming forward with ideas like, hey, we need to uh, recycle bottles and paper or maybe we need to cut back on copy paper so much and and use our screens and not print so much and well those are those are fine ideas they certainly weren't going to move the needle when you think about it so maybe you bought uh, a few hundred less packs of paper or something over the course of the year well you're talking a couple hundred bucks and it really wasn't going to do anything what he was talking about was real meaningful stuff what are we going to do to move that needle and it really comes down to costs and efficiencies and where are we wasting money? Where are we wasting spending? That driver's text about uh, the breakfast costs really got me thinking, you know, uh, I know that we all think that more money is always the answer, but what could be happening to our drivers or where could drivers uh, be making some different kind of changes that will help them push through this, get through this, and put more money in the bank at the end of the week. 
So what kind of obstacles do you have anyway as a driver? What is preventing you from making more money? You know, one of the things I think about is hours of service, of course. Uh, you only have so many hours per week uh, to get your work done. You know, is hours of service ever getting in the way? And what about mechanical issues with the truck? You know, if you have a breakdown, you're down for a half day, maybe you got a tire issue on the side of the road and you're down for a few hours, uh, or maybe it's something more serious than that. That's certainly happening with today's trucks. They go down and what should be a simple fix sometimes can turn into days and weeks as we have to wait for parts to show up. And how about your friends in dispatch? You know, are they planning you as efficiently and as effectively as they possibly could? I, I would like to think so, but I'm sure there's uh, certain things going on in dispatch too where uh, they could they could help improve things as well. While those things we just mentioned are not directly in your control, uh, I do believe you have some influence over them. When you think of hours of service, uh, are you... Are you planning your time? Are you communicating well with your dispatch to let them know how many hours you have available yet to work for the day or for the week? Um, when you think about the equipment, you think about breakdowns and you say, well, there's nothing I could have done about that. And that's probably true in a lot of cases, but I would ask you, are you doing your pre-trips and are you doing them effectively? Are you catching things ahead of time where maybe preventive maintenance uh, would have saved you some hours down alongside the road, something like that? But beyond that, I really want to concentrate on the things that you can control that are within your control and how could you possibly be taking more money home? Have you ever played the victim with dispatch? And this is one that kind of gets me a little bit, but um, if, if I see a driver's miles are suffering a little bit, or maybe they've even come in to my office and say, hey, I'm not not making what I need to, you know, of course, the first thing we do is we need to look at their productivity and try to see what's going on. And if their miles are low, uh, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit and says, well, your miles don't look like they're, you know, hitting the mark or where you think they should be or where we think should be. Well, the driver says sometimes well, I can only give, I can only do what they give me. Um, so to me, that's kind of a victim mentality. Uh, you're placing the blame on somebody else when you do actually have a voice and you need to make sure you use that, whether you're an owner operator, company driver, whatever that is, stand up for yourself. You know, if your miles and your income aren't where they're supposed to be or where you'd like to like to see them, then go have conversation. Don't just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, nothing I can do about it. There's absolutely something you can do about it. I want to tell you a story about a driver in our fleet, and we'll call him Rick. And I think that's safe to do because I don't I don't have anybody named Rick that I know of right now. So we'll call this guy Rick. Uh, he's been with us maybe four or five months, something like that. And usually when recruiting has new drivers lined up for orientation, we get an email the week before and it'll give us a brief history on the driver, where they come from, uh, where they live, what their expectations are. Uh, we even get an attachment in the email about the driver's profile. So we, we know quite a bit about them. And the one thing I remember about Rick was uh, he was coming in as a company driver, but he was really interested in our lease program. So I don't necessarily get involved in the actual um, hiring of the drivers. It's something recruiting does. They have a risk assessment they go through with every applicant. And then uh, once they feel they've got a good applicant, ready to come in they'll run it through safety and then safety has the final say whether or not that driver uh, 
comes onto the fleet or not. So anyways, this guy was coming in, and the reason I decided to look at his application was because I saw his risk score was a little bit high, meaning it was kind of right at the threshold of what we will or won't accept. So, and I knew he wanted to be a lease operator. I jumped into his uh, driver file and was kind of looking things out. So the first thing was his safety record. His safety record was good. His MVR was clean. There weren't any issues there. Didn't see any accidents, tickets, nothing like that. So that was all good. The thing that concerned me with this driver was his job history. And while he had experience, he had about four or five years total driving experience, which is good. Uh, It was the job stability and there'd been a little bit of job hopping in the past. So for the last year, he had stayed with one company, but you go back further than that, uh, he was moving around every couple months, and that's usually a red flag to us. So, you know, when we're bringing drivers on, we definitely want to see some stability. And I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again, is if if you don't have a stable job history and you're jumping from carrier to carrier to carrier, always looking for the next great thing, uh, I have no reason to believe that you're going to stick with us any longer than you stuck with the last four or five jobs. So we really start try to shy away from that. It's not something we want in the fleet. Uh, we know that the stability also is tightly related to a driver's safety habits. So Rick comes into orientation the first day and one of the first things I do is I meet with all the new hires that first morning. We talk about safety and we set expectations, but I decided to kind of pull Rick aside after that and ask him about his job hopping. And I said, listen, I said, I know you have a real interest in our, our lease program. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on in your past and why you're moving around so much? I said, I really have some concerns about it. And he says, well, you know, uh, this company did this to me and they did this or they promised that and I didn't get it. And what I what I noticed real quickly is there was no accountability on his part for anything that was going wrong. It was like the first sign of trouble he was out of there. He wasn't going to stick around. So he was always looking for the next best thing and nothing was his fault. So what I ended up telling him was I said, you know, I, I know you want to be in the lease program. I says, uh, I'm going to push pause on that a little bit. Um, I have some concerns here. And if you want to be a company driver, we'll, we'll put you through orientation and bring you on. But I'd like at least 90 days so I can get to know you better. You can get to know us better. And hopefully we can see some strong habits from you. Uh, we'll talk to dispatch at the end of 90 days. And, and if everybody has a good feeling and you feel like we're a good fit for you, then we can talk again about the lease program. So that's kind of what we did. Um, it was kind of funny. The It was day 90, exactly, since we had that conversation. He's right back in my office. He says, it's been exactly 90 days, and, and uh, I'm still interested in the lease program. I said, okay, fair enough. We That's what we said we would do. Um, I talked to dispatch. I talked to the operations manager, his driver manager, and just says, do you have any concerns? Has he been doing okay? And everybody was like, well, he's been doing fine. He, he asked a lot of questions, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, you know, he's done everything we've asked of him. I said, okay, all right, so we'll move forward. And in our lease program, uh, before we sign papers with anybody, we, act, uh, we ask them to do some pre-qualification work. And uh, first thing is they go through a 12-hour online business class. So most of these drivers come in and want to do this. This is the first time they've ever gone into business for themselves. They're all of a sudden going to be a small business operator, and we want to make sure we give them uh, a good education, a good start. 
uh, to kicking off their business adventure. So we assigned him the 12-hour online course. He knocked that out. And then the second prerequisite is uh, they have to attend a live workshop with me, uh, an owner-operator workshop. So we'd set that up a couple weeks later, and there was two other drivers um, in that workshop that day. So there was three total. And we went through the process, and uh, we spent about a half day. One of the things we talk about is we talk a lot about mindset. You're going from company guy to owner-operator. This is how your mindset kind of needs to change uh, along with it because now every decision you make is going to impact your income. So we talk about that. We talk about uh, how much revenue per day that asset needs to make. So we're not focused on a cents per mile and we're not focused on uh, some of the things that company guys are. We're trying to get them to understand it like a, a business operator. And this is your one and only asset that you have in your company. It's got to produce the revenue. And in order for you to hit the revenue marks you need, that means you got to hit the miles and do a lot of things. So you got to think differently again. We spend a lot of time talking about expenses in the business, uh, and we try to drive home the idea that, you know, revenue is one thing. You definitely got to have the revenue, but the expense, controlling the expense is kind of where the magic's at. That's going to make you or broke you. So we talk about things like fuel mileage, uh, speed, how those things are going to impact you when it comes to maintenance uh, and tires and the things you're going to and I have to do as a business operator. You're going to have to put money away. You're going to have to be responsible and accountable with the money you make and make sure that you have enough set aside because it's not a matter of if you break down, it's when. We all know that. We've been doing this thing for a long time. Uh, they're mechanical. They wear out. So you're going to need to replace parts. So uh, you really have to have a responsibility there and uh, a way to set money aside. So we spent a lot of time talking about that. And then the last thing, uh, this hasn't always been in the workshop, but I started seeing patterns of it, and I th we've added this in recently, and it's talking about the difference between making emotional decisions and logical decisions. And we really try to push uh, more towards the logical or the business side of things. You've got to think with the left side of your brain, uh, making logical decisions, business decisions for the future. So at the end of that owner-operator workshop, the other two drivers in there they signed papers that day. Uh, they both moved forward with their with their with their purchase. Um, and then Rick, he was trying to get into a different truck, so he was driving a little bit older truck. He wanted to step up in the lease to a newer truck, so uh, operations had to work with him, get the equipment in, get it set up, and uh, ready for him and stuff. So that took a couple weeks to get him in the right truck. And so if we fast forward a couple weeks um, to, he's in the right truck now, he's in the office on a Friday, probably around noon or something, and he popped in to say hello, and he says, hey, I'm ready to sign paperwork today on the lease, he's ready to go. Our controller at the time, she happened to be out of the office that afternoon, um, but that's not a deal breaker. We can figure out, somebody else can sign the papers with him and, and get him through the finance process. Uh, or we can also do that stuff remotely. You know, we can send it via email for uh, electronic signatures and stuff like that. So we can get through that. As the afternoon went on, and he's kind of waiting around trying to figure out what the game plan was. As the afternoon went on, I kind of caught wind through the grapevine that he had made an appointment in our shop for Monday. And 
the shop couldn't get him into money. The new truck needed a couple of things. And so I went in and uh, I talked to dispatch. I said, that's kind of a concern because here's a brand new guy. He's going to sign papers on this truck and it's Friday and he's not, he's going to have a shop appointment on Monday and probably not leave till Monday afternoon or something like that. That's not best case scenario. So what can we do about that? And I talked to the dispatcher a little bit and says, well, he said he's fine with it. I said, oh, okay, but I'm not necessarily fine with it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And one of the things we talk about, again, in those workshops is you got to make so much revenue per day on that truck. So in my mind, I'm thinking, here's a brand new guy going to step into a lease program and all of a sudden he's okay parking Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and probably most of Monday, depending on what work he's got uh, due to the trucks. So this isn't This isn't a great start for us. So I'd asked, I says, well, what kind of work is it? Is it critical or what is it? And he says, well, he wants to have his Epic View installed, which is a satellite TV system in the trucks. And then he had something going on with an APU and it had something to do with the APU controller. I'm not sure if it was or wasn't working, but regardless, in my mind, neither of those two items were critical, meaning there was no way he needed to lay over the weekend uh, and sit around with nothing to do, not making any money, to have a couple minor things looked at on Monday. So I told that to his driver manager. I said, listen, you're probably going to have to coach him up here a little bit. He's excited about signing the paperwork on the truck and uh, to get going on stuff. He's probably just not really thinking that straight. But here's the deal. He can't afford to sit over the weekend. We need to find him something, get him moving. I know these things, it would be convenient if he could have them done. But at the end of the day, they're not critical to his business operation. Let's get him making money. And and we'll deal with these other things as soon as we can for him. So they said, okay, that's fine. Um, we'll, we'll find something, get him going. So during that weekend, I happened to be driving through our hometown and I happened to see the truck bobtailing and it was Rick. And I'm going, what in the world's going on here? Because he, uh, I thought I thought we had a plan Friday afternoon before I left and here the driver is driving around town, no trailer, just bobtailing around. And um, so I text someone Sunday afternoon in operations. I says, what happened? And he says, well, he, he just really wants to stay behind and have this work done. That's what he decided to do. So I, I let it go and I said, I, I need to talk to him first thing Monday morning. So don't dispatch him. Don't do anything till we have another conversation. So eight o'clock, he's standing in my office. He says, I heard you wanted to see me. And I says, yeah. I said, walk me through your decision process, decision-making process here. And he says, well, he says, I just, I'm here and wasn't that big a deal. And I just really want to get those things done. I said, I understand that. But do you remember the conversations we had in the workshop uh, about making sure you make so much revenue per day? That's your income. And he says, well, yeah, I guess. And I said, I really, I, in fact, I asked dispatch to find you something. He said, well, they offered me something that would get me moving. Uh, it was something shorter, getting some miles over the weekend. Wasn't a perfect fit. He goes, but I just decided I'll just wait it out. And I kind of, I didn't lose it on the guy, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking this isn't right. You know, his head's not in the right space uh, for this. So I just told him, I said, listen, I said, this is the exact kind of stuff that really concerns me. And this is going to be a, a, the difference maker if you're going to be successful in this program or not. I said, I think we should push pause on you signing papers on this truck. And, and he was extremely disappointed and said he understood why. Um, and I truly hope he did. You know, he just made a couple bad decisions. 
Um, so we kind of left it at that. He's he's still a company driver for us. And I said, you know, if that's another 90 days or whatever that looks like, uh, we'll revisit it. But we've got to start making better business decisions. And he says, okay, I understand. He was also scheduled to go home that, that following week. So he got out of the shop late Monday afternoon, got all his work done that he wanted to do. Uh, leaves for a load, picks up Tuesday, delivers Wednesday in his hometown, about 500 miles away. And uh, he was uh, he was supposed to be off Wednesday, Thursday, and then ready to come back out of the house Friday. And when we had talked on Monday morning, I says, we need to make sure you do that, right? Again, don't let Wednesday, Thursday creep into Friday, and then all of a sudden you're taking the whole week. Oh, no, 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 he, he was going to do it. So... I kind of followed up on Friday and I said, hey, I want to make sure that we got Rick out of the house like he was scheduled to and something didn't pop up again. And they said, well, we got him going, but they ended up uh, kind of a short load on him. He says, we offered him a load that was coming right out of his hometown that was going over to New Jersey for Monday. Nice 1,200 mile run. But he told me, I don't run New Jersey. So the dispatcher didn't take it or the planner didn't take the load and they found him an alternate load that was 500 miles for the weekend. I'm just, I'm still going, oh my goodness, what are we doing? So this is a case of a guy sabotaging himself with his own decisions. And the the whole idea here is that he's making emotional decisions. He's thinking about the convenience of having my satellite TV in the truck. Uh, this APU thing isn't working right. I got to have it fixed. And, and he's right. It should be fixed, but it didn't have to be fixed right then and there. He wasn't thinking revenue first. He wasn't thinking business first. So he's letting that emotional side of his brain creep in. And he wasn't making good business decisions. And then it happened again on that Friday. So I realized that everybody has preferences. And there's certainly parts of the country that we all like to stay away from. And by the way, we don't force anybody to go to New York City. We don't mess with that kind of stuff. But, you know, New Jersey, southern New Jersey is like driving in Wisconsin. It's, It's no big deal. And for him to, you know, essentially turn down that load or tell dispatch it didn't work for him i I just thought it was another bad bad decision and it was this mentality that he already had this mindset that he already had where i i will go here but i won't go there and you know if you're going to be a good business operator and it doesn't matter if you're a company guy or owner operator uh, you got to get that stuff out of your head because how much money did those decisions cost him? So the first weekend he sat half day Friday, all day Saturday, Sunday, and most of Monday. So you could call it solid three days, maybe three and a half days. Even if he's just a company driver at that time, that's $300 a day in income that he missed out on. So I'll just call it a $1,000 bill for those three and a half days that he missed out on. That's money he never gets back. You don't get time back. So you have to really think about that stuff and not let the emotional side of your brain take over when you're making those kind of decisions. I don't know if I got through to him or not. And then the same thing happened that following Friday when he turned down the long load and opted for the short load. He left money on the table because in his mind, he was thinking, why? I don't go there. I don't do that. And I know it's a preference and we do everything we can to to get our drivers to places they like to go. Um, and then there's always some, you know, places we don't always like to go. But at the end of the day, was it that bad? 
No, it was a good run over the weekend, and it was going to a place that wasn't anywhere close to the city. So uh, just big concerns and red flags there. So that was kind of Rick's story of how he sabotaged his own income uh, by making some poor decisions. You know, and I'd come back and just ask you, have you ever done that? And here's a couple more examples of, of things I can think of that happen somewhat frequently where drivers might be stepping on their own toes. And it's, um, is it your week to go home, your weekend to go home, whatever it is, and dispatch gets you close to the house a day or two early? And whether it's you or dispatch, just decide, ah, oh, just go home. Just go home a couple days early. It'll be a gift. Uh, and you accept that as a driver. So you go home early. But again, that's, that's time. You never get back. So usually what happens in my experience in those cases is what seems to be a good decision at the time, a week or two weeks later, whenever that paycheck comes out and it's even shorter than you thought it was going to be, all of a sudden that decision wasn't so great and you got to be careful not to not to blame it on the dispatcher uh, they had some control in it and they certainly should take some ownership of it but you also have to take those times and you know be able to look in the mirror and go oh i did opt to go home early i told him it was okay so if i did that did i come out of the house a day early probably not most drivers don't do that they just look at it hey it's extra day off with the family and that's that's important obviously uh and that's probably why you made the emotional decision to do that and say it was okay but it always comes back to haunt us it always comes back to bite us and uh, a week later when the the paycheck was an extra day short of income that's an extra 300 bucks thousand bucks if you're an owner whatever that looks like uh were you thinking about it then and I know I've got some uh, lease guys that they, they do go home and uh, lease operators or independent contractors, obviously, they get to call their own shots. Um, there's a couple of them that I got are kind of famous for coming out of the house late, meaning they told dispatch they'd come out on a Monday, be ready to go Monday morning, send me my load. Here it is Monday noon. We can't get a hold of them. And finally, we get a message going, oh, yeah, I decided to stay home an extra day. I'll just pick up that load tomorrow or you can find me something else tomorrow that's not good that's not the way it's supposed to work uh the communication has to be better than that and you know the owner's no different than the company guy in a couple weeks he'll you know he might be crying the blues that his income isn't where it was supposed to be you guys aren't you guys aren't doing what you said you were going to do as a company i'm not making the money here the point is we're in it together and you have to take some ownership of it too so i there really is a you know, a case where drivers, you can sabotage yourself. And I know you don't know you're doing it. You don't think you're doing it at the time, but you just got to stop and think a little bit about how your decisions are affecting your own income. I've said this before in other podcasts, but I'll say it again. The most successful drivers I know have been doing this almost 30 years. It's, it's the drivers that just roll with it. It's the drivers that take what dispatch gives them. You got to remember that dispatch their role and goal and maybe even in incentivized to uh, keep you moving, keep the trucks moving, make, make get as many miles and as much revenue as we can on those trucks in that week's time. So the, the drivers that understand that and just kind of roll with whatever dispatch gives them, those have always been the most successful drivers. And by successful, I'm saying they're getting the best miles week to week and year to year, and they're also, also making the best money. So... 
When you jump to that owner program, you know, sometimes guys do that because they feel like they're going to have more control over it. And, and you do. You certainly do as an independent contractor, but you can also, uh, like I said, step on your own toes when you're doing that too. I'll leave with two things to remember. And the first is remember you never get time back. So think about that when you're making those decisions to go home early, come out of the house late, whatever it is, or you're turning down load with big miles because it might be a destination you don't particularly like. Um, that's money you're, you're leaving on the table and you're not gonna get back. And then the second thing uh, I'd leave you with is slow down when you make your decisions, uh, especially if you're, you're money conscious and you're income conscious. Uh, make sure you're making good, sound business decisions with the left side of your brain. And you got to take that right side of the brain and, and, and kind of leave it behind for a little bit. Make a good decision uh, and your family will thank you down the road. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. For more industry resources, check out driventofar.com.